Right, Feather, episode five. What are we talking about this time? Wilkes and mushy peas at the barras. And stagecoaches in the coal bunker. And toys for rags. And looking for the Bruins in Glebe Street. And making my own bike. And getting chucked out by my piano teacher. Woohoo! Down we go. Hey, singer, you're a Glasgow Generations in the tranny. Well, we're on. We're working again. Well, you switched on. We're on. That's oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking to coffee and then I thought he's not switched on. Put the yet. game face oh, on. Right. That's it. <laughs> right. well, let's see if we remember how to do this. We'll, we'll kick off with some emails. Okay. Um, and I should say welcome to the... Uh, was this, was this uh, episode five? Episode five, one, I think. Yep, it, yes, uh-huh. I know. Been a while, been a while. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Um, and Finko to say in Spain. Finko, I'll take you yes. for that. Oh, <laughs> Um, and emails, yep, um, just in case you don't remember, it's glasgowgenerations at googlemail.com and there's also the comments box at Top 10 Glasgow Guide. Um, we got a, an email, it's been a while, mm-hmm. but we did receive some emails and I've, I've got the pick of them. Did you send it yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now there was a, a Gail from New Jersey. All right. New Jersey. New Jersey. I'm really enjoying you and your father's podcast. I listen on my commute into NYC. Oh. He has a very natural, easygoing way of telling his stories. Oh, I like that. I presume he's talking about me there. Ah, right, aye, aye, aye. Probably right. <laughs> yep. Um, having left Scotland as a child many years ago, I am really enjoying all the old tales of Glasgow. Keep it up. It brightens my day when I see there is a new podcast waiting to be listened to. Best wishes and continued success to you both. Thank you very much, Gail. Yes. Yes. Nice to, be nice to hear that. Aye, mm-hmm. very nice. Very good. And here's another one. This is the wee surprise. All right. Guess who this is from? You just listened into a couple of the podcasts. Excellent stuff, and great to hear some of the things we got up to when we were just uh, we were just wee ragamuffins. One of my special memories, which for me was a treat, was the visits to the Barras on a Sunday uh-huh. with our dad when we were treated to Winkles eaten in a pin. All right, eaten with a pin. That's right. Sweets from the shop, uh, coconut bars for dad, and a selection of treats for us. That's right. Followed by a visit to see the medicine man who stood calling to his mammy for all the remedies he sold. That's right. So funny. Uh, one of the other things my big brother did was to lose his two front teeth on a camping holiday. Yes, that's right. if he remembers aye, how that happened. Aye. Kathleen put a rope, well, I don't know why, but I put I a rope between my teeth. You, you recognise who the email was from? Thomas. Thomas, no. <laughs> who? Should I read on then? Yes. Another memory from the visits, uh, from the visits to the Saturday Pictures... After a cowboy film, we played in our hall as being cowboys. We had a coal bunker in the hall with a drop-down front, and sitting on top, we were able to play at stagecoaches. As Charles said, we made our own entertainment. Uh, we had great times in the park at the bottom of our road, and so much freedom. Uh, no doubt my memories differ slightly from the big yin, as I was the pesky wee sister. Ah, oh, for Kathleen, right. We did climb the dikes as much <laughs> as the boys. Rubbish. Um, <laughs> rubbish. That was when I wasn't playing balls, which apparently is two tennis or rubber balls played against a wall. Yes, I am an island. Accompanied uh-huh. by a song. Quite a skilled game, apparently. Thanks for the happy memories and looking forward to hearing more. Ah, very good, Kathleen. Aye. There you go. And she was the one that caused me to lose my front teeth. Yes, on a camping holiday, <laughs> Did she, uh, was this in a boxing match? Well, no, I, I can't remember the, 
the wise they were for us. They were bit, it involved a rope or a piece of string, and for some reason I had it in my mouth, and she yanked it, and out came the front teeth. You had a rope with a piece of string in your mouth? Ah, well, right. it was either a rope or a piece of string. <laughs> I can't remember. As you do, you just walk about with it, just in case. So <laughs> that was a camping holiday, I don't know where that had been, up north somewhere, obviously. I mean, we talked briefly about camping last time round. Uh-huh, uh-huh. um, I mean, the, the, <coughs> I always heard the tales about, you know, when people wanted to, kids <laughs> lost the teeth, they would attach it to toaster, chuck it over the, the banister. Right. I mean, is that the kind of thing you're talking well, about? Well, the same idea, and you used to get a piece of thread and tie it around your tooth and then tie it to the door handle and just slam the door shut to try and get it out. So I, you know, we could so afford dentists. Before the NHS. Uh, before the NHS <laughs> come in, we could uh, get free dental treatment, you know. Who needs anesthetic? DIY dental work, you know. <laughs> oh, God, I remember. I know that she mentions it, I. Hey. But uh, she probably got back at me because um, when we were on holiday one day, uh, one year at Troon, uh-huh. as we always used to do in those days, you know, 30 miles down the road, yep. um, I pushed her into the sea. There used to be jetties down there and there used to be boat rides uh-huh. at Troon uh-huh. Harbour. All changed now, obviously, deserted. Yep. But uh, I just forbade this. I just thought I'd push her in fully clothed, you know. Uh, from which I got a bit of a shelking from my mum and dad, you know. But, Picture uh, of a happy family. Yes, you know, I <laughs> Knocking lumps out of each other, chucking them in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, John was behind me at the time, you know, so uh, uh-huh. we did the pushing. No doubt shelter. boating, yeah. Uh-huh. And what about this guy, this medicine man? What's that all about? Uh, what's that? Oh, this is the guy at the bar is again. Um, Probably stood calling to his mammy for all the remedies he sold. Aye, I think this was, this was a coloured guy. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if it was Indian or African or what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a bit like you get in London with a, you used to have Speaker's Corner and you used to get guys standing at Speaker's Corner and ranting yep. and raving about their favourite topic. Uh-huh. Uh, and this guy used to do the stuff down at the Barras on a Sunday. Um, the that Barras was, was a, a weekly visit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, as Kathleen said, um, you get your, your mushy peas um, <laughs> or your plate of winkles. Winkles with uh, the... the Welks, <laughs> actually, not winkles, but English would cut. Kathleen's become an anglophile. <laughs> Uh, Welks and um, you got a pin to take the eye out uh-huh. um, and you got a bag of Welks yep. and uh, oh they were lovely much was a bag of Welks oh probably about sixpence or something the old uh-huh. sixpence uh-huh. or something like that you know uh-huh. um, or you could get a plate of peas or a saucer of peas there was a wee place just under the bridge as you head up to the bar uh-huh. left hand side it's probably still there as a shop now matter of fact the last time I passed it years ago it was a wee cafe mm-hmm. and you'd go in there on the way out from the barras okay. for anybody who doesn't know what the barras are it was a the like market, the barrows. Um, it's like the market stalls. I mean, uh, now you get your sort of dodgy DVDs and your <laughs> cheap cigarettes. Well, not anymore, apparently. Well, whatever. <laughs> no, that was looking. But when you, you did all your, your bits and pieces, and the barrows was great because you mm-hmm. see guys were, you know, selling crockery. Yep. And, uh, you know, I don't want £10, I don't want £8. Uh-huh, I want, uh-huh. And there were people buying. Haggling. Haggling. Uh-huh. Oh, it was fantastic. Great yeah. atmosphere. I don't know what it's like these days. I think it's probably a wee bit more rougher now than it used to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, but ah, when you're finished up on the way out going back down the London Road you go in for a plate of hot peas Just or a bag of Wilkes wait a minute peas on their own aye, oh, aye. peas is normally an accompaniment with something oh, else marrow fat <laughs> peas oh love oh, I still love them uh-huh, um, uh-huh. shake of vinegar and a bit of black pepper Oh, lovely. Good for you too. I won't tell you what it does to you later <laughs> on, but that's, that's another one. Not In one end and out the other end. <laughs> <laughs> but windy at times, you know. And why the visit to the bar is on a Sunday? Why a Sunday? In those days, I mean, again, you know, it's probably, you know, it was just a wee sort of kind of, Wells did that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a thing to do on a Sunday, because, I mean, Sundays at the weekend, and in those days, were dead. Mm-hmm. Um, the bar's was lively. I mean, it really was. And you'd either walk through to the bar's, um, or get the tram car type mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. I could spend hours in there just actually standing watching people at stalls and how they worked. Yep. Um, and there was always guys in the audience who were part of the, 
the salesman, oh, if you want to call it that, working that. They put a bet yeah, in, yeah. you know, they put a, a bid in, and uh, uh, you know, they, they, somebody else put a bid in. That's right. But it's, it's fantastic like atmosphere. Dale boy. <laughs> a bit like that, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a bit more sort of, kind of down market these days. Um, yeah. I've never been there for years. Mm-hmm. Um, driven by it a few times. Um, during the week when it's when it's closed mm-hmm. Saturday, I don't know. I think it's still Saturday and Sunday. Just, uh, it's still Saturday and Sunday. It? Yep. No, no. Excuse me. Um, but no, very colourful, um, great atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, and it was a joy to go down there. Mm-hmm. And you, as I say, your cheek coming back was a plate of hot peas, or <laughs> a bag of Wilkes. Um, I can still see the wee shop now. Where, where was so, that shop? I mean. Well, when you're going up, um, you've come along the London Road, actually, you take it, there's a bend yeah. when you're heading out towards... Um, Is it the row of shops heading towards Argyll Street? No, the other way. Going the other way. All oh, right. Going the other way. Um, and it was a kind of bend, and it was actually a sweetie shop that used to sell factory sort of kind of off-cuts of sweeties. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go and buy a jar of sweets there, mm-hmm. um, or a bag of sweets. And it was like, I think you probably got them cheap from the... Used to be a sweetie factory in uh, Duke Street. All oh, right. Near uh-huh. the old Kentigern School. Yep. Uh-huh. So we used to go up there at lunchtime in school and get a bag of broken sweeties. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was just bits that was like raw. Did you ever? Have, I mean, you, you said last time you had broken biscuits. Did you ever have full biscuits <laughs> or full <laughs> sweets? No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing proper, you know. <laughs> nothing a properly wrapped or anything. Like price deal. Uh, but aye, uh, <laughs> and um, as I say, that wee sweetie shop sold. Probably the sweeties you, you hardly ever see these, like cherry lips and uh, uh-huh. floral gums and sour plumes. Floral gums? All these things, pineapple chunks. Uh, oh, you still get them. Well, uh-huh. but all these sort of things now, you know, and um, and then, as, as I said, in the big jars, they had this sort of, kind of stuff they got from the factory, the sweetie mm-hmm. factory, mm-hmm. and it was just broke, like pieces of rock. Yep. You know, uh-huh. you get down at the Blackpool Rock, that uh-huh. type of thing, uh-huh. all broken up, and you just have a bag of that type uh-huh. of thing. Uh-huh. Souped it all the way back up the road again, you know? Yeah. And uh-huh. that was your Sunday. And yeah. then you get your teeth pulled out with the dentist, because <laughs> all that sugar, <laughs> ah, yeah, sugar content, you know? Aye, <laughs> uh, right enough. Uh-huh. So uh, uh-huh. that was a barrister. And she was talking about a coal bunker in the hall. Aye, that was uh, in Black Street. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As I said, then we all, we all had coal fires and. Um, the coal was delivered down the stairs mm-hmm. um, into a big coal bunker down the stairs and you'd get your two bags of coal or whatever mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. and then you'd get the shovel in the bin and take it up. It was a bunker actually probably about right, about three feet wide yep. uh-huh. about a foot and a half deep and uh, you kept all your coal in there. Okay. And um, as I say, in the summer months obviously we were using the, the coal fire mm-hmm. Um, the coal was empty well, it was down near the bottom but mm-hmm. you'd go in there and Play cowboys and Indians or whatever. It was like a wee den, uh-huh. you know, or, stage, or coaches, stagecoaches. Stagecoaches, I sitting in the top of it, type of thing. Pretending you know, you're on a bus. Aye, I got amazing. How, I mean, as I said before, you know, some people say things about the past, and you think, mm-hmm. God, I, I wouldn't have remembered that, but for Kathy mentioned it there, you know. Um, I'm just interested in what, what play at stagecoaches. Somebody plays a driver, somebody plays a passenger. Pathetic children, you know. What enjoyment do you get sitting on top of your coal bunker and kidding <laughs> on your right. driving a bus? You know, I suppose that's where all the imagination Aye, comes well, from. I mean, I can remember um, again going back talking the last time about camping um, before I joined the scouts. Um, we, I mean, we had, um, we, it wasn't Boons and Burners, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a wee sort of, um, par, was it paraffin? Aye, paraffin. Of um, stoves. Aye, a stove aye. type of thing. Um, and I used to get a wee stove, and you just, it was a wee receptacle in the middle, and you put some paraffin into it type mm-hmm. of thing, and there was like a wee ring on it, um, and a can sort of thing. Yep. And I used to have that in the, our bedroom, 
and um, boil up a wee mm-hmm. kettle of water and that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was there, sort of kind of playing at camp and in yeah. the house, okay. sort of thing, you know. <laughs> and of course, one of the things is we just got an old bed sheet and made a, a tent That's in your right. bedroom, uh-huh. type uh-huh. of thing, you know. Again, it's going back to like making dens, something yeah. to cower underneath, type of mm-hmm. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, aye. Fond memories of things Fond like memories that. Indeed. Somebody needs to prop me with a stick case like, just to <laughs> bring these out, you know. It's just like watching the Bruins. Watching the Bruins. Ah, oh, the Bruins. Oh, God, <laughs> the Bruin, The Bruin family, if, um, uh, earlier, I, had said, I think I said many episodes, and the Sunday my dad used to buy the Sunday Mail, the Sunday Post, and the Sunday Pictorial. Pictorial? Uh-huh. Sunday Pictorial is no longer now. Just the pictures. Ah, just, no, yeah. just the pictures. Um, but in the Sunday Post, as it still is, um, you had just in a comic section your mm-hmm. cartoons or what you call it mm-hmm. and one of the things was the Brune family um, who all lived in Glebe Street mm-hmm. now as I said to you before in Town Head Glebe Street was around the corner from me yep. just mm-hmm. Bercy Glebe Street mm-hmm. and um, when I was a kid I can't remember probably about 9 or 10 at a time and you know you knew as I still do, know most of the Brune family mm-hmm. Ma and Pa Brune Grandpa Brune he also had a bonnet and a big, big bushy moustache. That's right. Uh, the two sons, Hen, who was a big sticker. Yep, Hen Brun. Yep. Uh, a big skinny guy. <laughs> Joe it. was the other one. Then big fat Daphne uh-huh. was one of the daughters. <laughs> and then there was a good looking one. I can't quite remember what her name was. And then he had the wee twins uh-huh, uh-huh. And, a, and a wee baby. It was always drawn with a romper suit with tailing behind it. That's right. Was, so this the, was it still in the Sunday Post back then? Still, I'm sure it was the Sunday Post then. Uh, yeah. I don't think it would have been the mail. Uh-huh. So the Bruins were in the Sunday Post, and you had a whole section with all the various sort of kind of stories type uh-huh. of thing, one every week. And um, when I saw one, I always remember I thought, Glebe Street. I thought, I'm going to see the Bruins, uh-huh. you know. And I walked around to Glebe Street. Um, it was number 10, I think it was in the papers, I think. Uh-huh. Number 10, Glebe Street. And I walked around to Glebe Street and up, up and down the close <laughs> looking for the Bruins. This is a... uh, the Bruins actually Brown is the uh-huh. proper name, but they're called the Bruins. And I was looking at every landing for the Bruins and come back to my dad like, and he just laughed because the Sunday Post was actually published in Dundee. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it'd probably have been a Glebe Street in Dundee. That's right. But at that age, you'd think, well, Glebe Street's just on the corner. Uh-huh. You think it's about a real family, yeah. A real family, you know. One Paul Brun, you know. The first reality TV stroke comic, yeah. Why did you see Big Daphne, you know? That's right. <laughs> and Big Hen. Oh, did you Big fancy Hen. Big Daphne? That's why you wanted oh, to see her. Oh. <laughs> a nice meaty. <laughs> right, stop, enough. stop. <laughs> Say no more. Comics wise, um, in Sunday Post, do you remember Lonely um, Dorser? Lobby Dozer, yes I do, right. aye. Lobby Dozer, the sheriff and... Um, Fair see, enough. Aye, uh-huh. Rank Badgen. Um, rank Badgen. Um, don't remember too much about it, but I still, I mean, everybody still talks about uh, Lobby Dozer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Rank Badgen type uh-huh. of thing. Um, that was another strip. The sheriff Creek. That's it. That's uh-huh. it. You know more about it than I do. That's it. Um, <laughs> Aye, Lobby Dozer, um, still a common expression that you, uh-huh. you hear people still talking about now, you know, and Rank Badgen's another one. Sheriff mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Carlton Creek, I just... Again, <laughs> you're prompting me, I mean, I, you know, I'm forgetting things, I'm, the older I'm getting, I'm getting worse I'm getting. <laughs> but, um, aye, that was just another sort of strip cartoon that you got in the papers type of thing. You, you said something before, I think, about swapping your, your comics. And well, the comics, aye, well, a couple of things there, I mean, um, again, you know, like... Talked about the papers, newspapers we used to get on a Sunday, mm-hmm. the Mail, the Post, and the Pictorial. Um, the kids, myself, um, John, my brother down, and Kathleen and Thomas was born at that time. Mm-hmm. He was 12 years younger than me, only born in 55. Yep. Um, so we all got our weekly comic. Mm-hmm. Um, John got the dandy, 
which came out on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I got the Beano, which came out on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen got the... Was it the Beezer? Or the Topper? Well, that's kind of more a kind of girly one. Ah, she listens in again. She's like, it was either the bees or the topper or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to get with comics um, every week, mm-hmm. Tuesday, Thursday, and a Friday. Um, but on top of that, you used to get American copies, uh, American comics. Mm-hmm. Um, they were more glossier, um, and they were called like DC. Okay. I don't I think a DC might have been District of Columbia or something like that. Uh-huh. Somewhere, but. These DC comics were like wee bits of gold, uh-huh. and um, you you obviously collect comics, and um, you'd go around to say you one of your pals, "Have you got such and such a comic?" Uh-huh. Um, or you had a pile of comics, and you just wanted to swap each other. Yeah, well, I haven't had that one before. And it was all yeah, like any comics, right. different stories, different characters, um, and all like serialized uh-huh. every uh-huh. sort of week. Or the American ones only come out once a month type of thing. Sure. But much glossier production than uh, your dandy and your beano and your yep. topper or the beezer or whatever they were called. Uh-huh. Um, and they were like wee bits of gold. Uh-huh. Um, and you collected them and you could have a foot, fu- foot higher uh-huh. comics uh-huh. in your house ready to exchange with somebody else. Yep. And they just circulated when they did the rounds and then eventually they come, God, I had that one about four months ago. Uh-huh. You know? And they turned the rounds and it back to me again, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and again, it was just another pastime the kids had at that time, swapping comics. It didn't do so much with the dandy and the beano because everybody got that. No, it was a cheaper. There. I think they were only about tuppence or thruppence in those days. Uh-huh. Whereas the Yankee ones, obviously coming from the States, uh-huh. um, they were probably quite expensive in those days to actually buy. Uh-huh. Because we were all getting them second hand. Yep. You never actually went to a shop and bought a DC comic. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. Brand new type of thing. I don't know what it would have been then, but probably maybe 70 or 80 pence or uh-huh. Uh-huh. 14 or 15 shillings in the old days you know uh-huh. um, but yeah they were sort of, kind of well favoured when you had those and that you know it was like a I've got a DC comic here anybody well, give me a spot when did the Marvel comics start coming out were they, were they oh they must have been later on then I, so, uh, it's like a lot of these things the ego and Spider-Man and all that, all that sort of nonsense yeah, they uh-huh. probably got into maybe late 50s early 60s all inherited from the States Type yeah. of thing, you know, you know, um, as well, becoming more Americanized anyway, coming into the late 50s and early 60s. I always um, remember Roy of the Rovers, that was the one I was into. Aye, the football one, aye. Um, and it was, who was the one? Manchester United. Aye, um, who was that? There was just be a, oh, he was an athlete, um, tough, because we're teased, tough of the track. Or, Oh, it was like he used to eat a steak pie before his race, his <laughs> running race, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, begins with a tea, it'll come back to me. Something, something to do with the track, mm-hmm. Tucker of the track or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he always had a big plate of fish and chips or a, <laughs> a steak pie and two veg before he did his racing because he always won it type of thing. That's right, uh-huh. But yeah, these, they all come in later on, yeah. obviously. But the staple diet in the, the earlier days was uh, the dandy and the beano. Uh-huh. And yeah, as far as I'm aware, they still do the... You still can get a dandy in the Beano. What were the characters in the Beano? Uh, the Beano, uh, you had uh, Lord Snooty and his gang. Uh-huh. Um, I'll probably get them mixed up between the dandy and the Beano, but uh-huh. um, Bero, the Peril, Dennis the Menace, uh-huh. um, Lord Snooty and his gang, there's a whole bunch of big characters in there. Yep. Um, Pretty much the same as it is now, they're just uh, less that, I couldn't tell you if they're still in the, the go uh, or not, yeah. uh, the Dandy and the Beano. I mean, I don't see them in... Well, I did see that um, comic collection you've got in the other room there. It's, uh, <laughs> still collecting You're not supposed to say that, you know. So <laughs> That's right. Keep those maybe worth something. Like, exactly, uh, if you'd kept a hold of them, they would have been worth something. Oh, yeah, because you, you keep hearing about these guys can yeah, produce yeah. one of these, still in the macular condition and going for... Take them down the barris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have a plate of peas and sell your comics. That's right. Sort of thing, you know? What about the, the Rag and Bone Man? A rag and bone man was a regular feature in the tenements. Um, 
You used to get them, oh, I mean, they used to cheat the kids rotten. But <laughs> a guy would come round in a horse and cart, uh-huh. um, collecting uh, rags. Mm-hmm. And the war cry, you used to hear them from me. He'd ring a bell or he'd a big horn. Doot, doot. Uh, one of these that's, big, that's the like, yeah. you know, it's a bit <laughs> more, uh, a bit more manly, you know. <laughs> and the war cry was toys for rags. Uh-huh. They used to shout. Okay. And of course, when we heard them in the clip clop of the horse, diving up the stairs, uh-huh. see your mum, mummy, any old rags type of right. older, older clothes that you're going to chuck out. Yep. Uh-huh. And you grab old jerseys oh. and old pairs of trousers and pairs of shoes and whatever happened to be. Uh-huh. Dive back down to see the horse and cart on the way down Black Street, chasing behind them, <laughs> clutching all these old jerseys and what have you. Uh-huh. They had to give you a balloon or something like that. <laughs> for that? For <laughs> that? <laughs> there was no, no haggling at all, you know, That's when you sad. get a balloon out, you're lucky if you get in better than a balloon. Um, <laughs> you just completely obviously forgot but we got, next we got wise to them because actually as we got a wee bit older, we twigged actually because there was a kind of depot in Kennedy Street, uh-huh, uh-huh. which we found earlier on as we got a wee bit older. Uh-huh where obviously a lot of these rag and bone men collected uh-huh. and obviously all the clothes went into sacks right. and we obviously got money for them somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, so we got wise to this and what we do is when we did get old rags, they're old, keep on saying rags, it's old clothes uh-huh. ready to get chucked out, we'd go down to Kennedy Street uh-huh. and it was a massive big place and you could see all the bags of clothes all backed, ready to go somewhere, uh-huh. probably to Romania or something like that. <laughs> Stealing off of uh, <laughs> non-privileged children, yeah, definitely. Uh, and we'd go in there and, uh, you know, a big pile of this and you get more than a balloon uh-huh. sometimes you get me with tottens thrums actual money <laughs> straight around to the sweetie shop you know uh-huh. and run uh-huh. to Danelle's and get two ounces of dolly mixers or That's something right. like that you know uh-huh. but um, uh, that was the rag and bone man toys for rags was like the bones word, right? then what's the, what's the bone thing I don't know where that came from they were just called rag and bone men uh-huh. bring uh, out your bed as well where probably when the old horse died you used to probably cut the horse up sell <laughs> <laughs> it to the butcher <laughs> I don't know I don't know where that came from but that they were the rag and bone men uh, uh-huh. toys uh-huh. for rags type of thing and they came round once every month or so um, again it was always probably in the summer months because uh-huh. we were always seen to be there uh-huh. uh, and you could hear them coming around the corner and you hear the old cut clop of the, the hoofs coming around dragon bone man's here <laughs> everybody scampered upstairs you know they completely forget all the world shut the doors let, don't let the kids in you know <laughs> <laughs> take my new dress you know you go. Right. <laughs> all for a balloon you know exactly exactly um, and you put down here making your own bike oh good eye poverty strikes eh uh-huh. Um in those days, you couldn't afford a bike. Um, so what I did was, and a couple of the boys did, and it was me more than anybody else, I was really kind of making your own DIY man in those days. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, I used to go around rubbish dumps. Uh-huh. Uh, and there was a place near us called Pinkston. Pinkston? Um, up towards Springburn Way. Uh-huh. Um, but you never went up there yourself normally, because had, in those days you had the gangs. Oh, yeah. You know, uh-huh. you had probably no mean city away back in the 40s and 50s. Into that, yep. There was sort of gangs up there, you know. Um, I forget what they're all called. One was called the Pinkston Gang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Surprisingly enough. <laughs> aye. Um, and just the mere sound of them, the mere mention of their name, mm-hmm, put mm-hmm. fear into you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never went up there by yourself. Mm-hmm. But occasionally in the summers, now you kind of wander around. It was a kind of parky type place, parks yep. and open open land, uh-huh. dumping ground for rubbish. And I can remember I found an old bicycle frame okay. in those days. Because none of the kids had bikes. Yeah. Only four bikes. Uh-huh. And I got this old frame and uh, ran into a junkyard and I got a couple of wheels. Uh-huh. It's turned out more or less, I think one was an 18 inch, one was a 20 inch. Not quite Perry Fallon, but <laughs> near enough as damn it. Uh-huh. And uh, over a period of a couple of months, I was able to collect enough to make a bike. Okay. And I got my dad to give me some paint. And I always remember the first one I did, I painted it yellow, uh-huh. the frame yellow. 
And um, I think eventually he took pity on me because I made two or three bikes uh-huh. over a couple of years. So I kind of just looking for junk and yep, uh-huh. made up these uh-huh. bikes. Because nobody could afford ones, I said. And um, I think he took pity on me. And I, was, I remember a time, I must have been about 11 or 12, he came in one night for work and says, right, um, let's cut up. I've seen a bike for sale. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what's this? It must, <laughs> it must be morning now, you know. That's so right. It was up in, well, he saw it in the paper. And it was up in Springburn. Mm-hmm. So we walked up to Springburn, which was a good good walk from Townhead. Yeah. And it was a, turned out it was a French racing bike. A French uh, a racing bike? A French racing bike. Uh-huh. Lights, you could lift it up by one finger. All right. And it always made it cost £8, which in those days was a lot of money. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and it had a puncture and I always remember that. Mm-hmm. So my dad went up with me and uh, went up to this place in Springburn, bought this bike, mm-hmm. £8, and walked all the way back because obviously... And I walked the puncture as well, which yeah. I fixed very quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and I had that bike through my teen days until yep. um, I went to London in actual facts. After I'd been in London for about six or nine months mm-hmm. down there in South Kent, South Kensington, um, I actually got in touch with my dad and asked him to send a bike down. There was right. two or three guys where I stayed at bikes. Yep. Uh-huh. And um, he sent it down the train. Uh-huh. I remember I got used and picked the bike up. Uh-huh. And uh, had that for about six months. And we used to just park them. I used to live in a civil service hostel the first mm-hmm. sort of year in London. Okay. House beat civil servants, obviously. Um, and it was all young guys. 16, 17, 18. A mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. of older ones and a couple of guys in their 40s who just single guys you know okay. um, and after about six months eight months of it was they were all parked downstairs because um, there was a bit downstairs with the, the canteen and all that was uh-huh. come down one morning to get my bike and it was nicked <laughs> it was gone you know typical um, and that was it yeah um, and that as I say that bike you could lift up with one finger the frame was that light it was a French racer uh-huh. top uh-huh. handlebars and those get four speed gear then which was you know unheard of oh my God. you know <laughs> world, yeah um, but I going back, I mean, prior to that, as I said, when I was a kid, um, made up two or three different bikes. And mm-hmm. uh, I think my dad took and probably looked at them and thought, poor soul out there. That's right. They're so biting, they keep uh-huh. painting it and getting these sort of transfers uh-huh. and trying uh-huh. to uh-huh. tart it up, you know. But uh, like you could have gone into business. That's, uh, well, I mean, when, had, when I got the, when I got the, the racer bike, my, again, my mate I've mentioned before, Drew, Drew uh-huh. McDermott and um, Donkey Chisholm. Donkey um, Chisholm. Dun- <laughs> Duncan, Duncan Chisholm, I. <laughs> Um, we cycle from Townhead away down to um, Lang Bank, uh-huh. you know, right down there yeah, on a yeah. Sunday, uh-huh. right through sort of Renfrew and things like that, uh-huh. um, and go for a di- go for a dip in the water down there. <laughs> Blooming freezing, Good you know, piece. facing um, well, you're on the opposite side of where you yep, work. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. It's a big rock, a bass rock. Yeah, uh-huh. we'd go in for a swim there, and uh, you know, with the old swimming trunks, the woolen swimming trunks, <laughs> and we'd have a tent with us, and then dry off, have uh-huh. a wee bite to eat. Cycle all the way back. Fantastic. Town head. All the bikes that you'd built. Aye. 12, 13 years old type of thing. And I think when you built them, did, they, did you sell them to your mates? Or oh, no, no, no. Because, I mean, I think I started the ball rolling. There was a couple of men. I don't remember Ronnie Ash. Uh-huh. Uh, he did the same thing. Um, he got one that made it up type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, there was a couple of other boys, Larry Thompson, I think, when he was about a year older than us. Um, but, again, it was more when I got the... A posh bike. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that's when it was serious stuff then, because I couldn't get me. That's all you and your better have to do, yeah. Your, your bike instead so, of your made-up um, bike. I, I'm not going to be these guys with <laughs> made-up bikes, you know, cheap frames, what have you. <laughs> Weighed half a ton. That's it. Um, aye, and then, as I say, they got pinched in London, and uh, mm-hmm. that was the last of my bike riding days until, until the last couple of years after yeah, I uh-huh, uh-huh. a new one, you know. And what about learning the guitar and... 
Oh, well, I learned the guitar. Actually, I learned the piano first because probably from the age of about eight or nine, mm-hmm. um, we went to piano lessons. I, st- I started first. My dad got a piano, mm-hmm. uh, which we you know, probably remember it, you yeah. know, because we had it in Fetland. Oh, was that the same one now? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, God knows what it must have cost because it was a good quality piano. Uh-huh. Um, but when I was about eight, um, I was first, I started piano lessons. And I always remember Mr. Wiley from Onslow Drive, mm-hmm. just along off Alexander Parade. All oh, right, uh-huh. And um, got into the various grades and did quite well. And John eventually took it as well. I think Kathleen at one point, she was more into Irish dancing uh-huh, and uh-huh. things like that. You know, she can't really do while you're playing the piano. No, no, yeah. well, you could, but it'd be a bit jumbly, <laughs> you know. Um, and we used to do concerts uh-huh. in various halls and things like that. But I always remember one time, because uh, you always had to do your practice, and that's uh-huh. when I was caught out smoking with that's it. That's right, yeah. I'll eat the bus tickets, nobody will find out, you know. Um, but, uh, what was going to say there? Oh, I, I was doing the practice um, and with a concert coming up, mm-hmm. um, one of the halls down by Charing Cross, just near where the Irish Club used to, I don't know if it's still there, the Irish Club just around the back end of Charing Cross, right. um, and near the Highlanders. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't no, even I know if that's a, still there. I think that's a strip club now. So. <laughs> 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 things have changed. Well, I think things move on. But anyway, there was this concert coming up, and um, myself and John were. I mean, I was a bit heady joining the piano and mm-hmm. what have you, and it was quite good, I suppose. And uh, we were given this particular piece to, to practice on, and of course, we've already practicing hard enough. Now, I remember I went to one of the lessons with Mr. Wiley and playing through it, and it was obviously making a lot of mistakes, uh-huh. and I lost the rag totally. And he virtually kicked the seat from underneath me. He used to sit <laughs> at the side of the piano, uh-huh. kicked the piano chair away from under me, and of course, I banged down, banged my head in the, my chin in the, <laughs> the piano keys, uh-huh. landed on the floor. And scurried out around to be folding my music book and chucked at me. <laughs> at the door. Don't you come back? <laughs> Until you stop. I, mean, I was about, I don't know, 10 at the time, uh, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, this guy was a complete head case, you know. Um, <laughs> he was allowed to work with children. And I <laughs> went, I mean, always went back and furiously practiced and uh-huh. did work bit in peace. And I always remember there was one concert we did that was, was at, um, myself and John me to do a a dual piece yep, type uh-huh. of thing. We did quite well on that as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, usually just parents. But after that, when I got to about 12, I was kind of losing interest in that and rock and roll was coming in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, my mum and dad bought me a guitar. Um, out of, it was either Biggers or Patterson's. I mentioned Patterson's once before. Right. I think I've got it or you've got it now. The uh, one with the cutaway. Yeah. Oh, the 12th? Uh, no, no, the six string. No, um, yeah, you've still got that. No, I've not got it. You know, I don't know where it is. Maybe anyway, we'll look for it later. <laughs> But uh, I so I kind of started that myself when I was teaching myself and my cousin George Laird, um, who was very good, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Laird, mm-hmm. but his brother, obviously younger brother, um, they were into music, very good singers, all mm-hmm. of them, and Rena Laird um, was the, the sister, mm-hmm. did a lot of church singing and things like that, but very good singers, but um, George was a very good guitarist, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was able to get persuaded to go up and He'd actually show me how to do chords, right, uh-huh. did them graphically, you know, and I'd go back and practice. Mm-hmm. But George actually, I mean, I was reading Billy Conley's autobiography a couple of years back ago, and I knew George had taught Billy Conley how oh, to play right. the guitar uh-huh. when they worked in the shipyards. Because uh-huh. George and another guy, can't remember his name, uh-huh. um, he used to work beside Billy Conley, uh-huh. uh, who was an apprentice at the time, as probably George was. And he taught Conley how to play the guitar and... Yeah. Later on the banjo, banjo yeah. uh-huh. um, 
and George taught me how to play the guitar and then one of my pals at this time I'd moved to Queensley uh-huh. and one of my camp pals at school um, who was then even a better guitarist than me mm-hmm. I sort of fed off him surely not um, <laughs> I and um, we'd play around the back down the, the, the back of the green that mm-hmm. we had at Queensley and just played guitar things and um, try and be licks here and and skiffle that. how did I uh-huh. how did you how did you play that bit you know how did you how did you get that chord you know uh-huh. uh, and just went from there and um, as I was getting better and I thought I'm going to go and get music lessons for guitar. Mm-hmm. And again, probably through my dad, um, we found a, <laughs> a wee woman. I can't even remember where she stayed. She must have been about 70 or something like that. <laughs> and she had a banjo uh-huh. and um, a piano, and um, but she taught guitar as well. Yep. And again, she went back through a lot of the chords and things like that and mm-hmm. told me about the strings and how to change things and what have you. But she'd sit beside me, either on the piano or on the wee chair, and she had a banjo. And we'd play, play together. Rock and roll. To, I, I was then about 14 and she was about, I don't know, well, about 80 or something. You know? like she taught me, she taught me. I can't even remember her name, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but I only stuck it for about six months because I think the age gap was getting too much. And I was way to rock on a wee bit, That's you know, sweet, and uh-huh. get a bell cream on the hair and the big yeah. bop, you know. Um, back to listen to Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent and what have you, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Elvis Apelvis and what have you. That's it. Um, but that was that was guitar lessons, and um, of course, can't do it now. As I told you, gone downhill ever since. Downhill so. rapidly, and you're still my twelve string, by the way. Well, you passed I'll get it on. back. No, you no, you took it on. You passed uh, the talent yeah. on as well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was that. But um, I, um, when it was probably jumping the gun a bit, and we'll probably may have to leave it. When it was mm-hmm. London, um, at one point we were actually nearly signed up as a band. All oh, right, um, nearly signed up. Eh? Nearly signed up. Uh-huh. I don't know if you want to talk about that just now or leave that till later on. It was when I worked in London near Shepherd's Bush beside uh-huh, the BBC uh-huh. studios. Uh-huh. Um, but we used to sing in the pubs, um, which of Edinburgh, I always remember it, um, just opposite Shepherd's Bush Green. Uh-huh. And we used to sing in the pubs there for a beer. For your beer, um, rather? Aye, four, yeah. five of us. Um, Joe McElwain, John Hobbs. I've got a photograph somewhere of us still. Oh, right. Cole, Cole Bowen uh-huh. and uh, myself. can't remember the other one offhand for a minute. Uh-huh. Um but we're quite good, and um, a guy approached us one night, and he said, I'm from the BBC across the road, and mm-hmm. um, we'd like to record you, because mm-hmm. uh, this this was going back, this is the early 60s when, probably, the, even before the Beatles had started, yep, uh-huh. early 60s when, you know, we got a lot of British bands, Tommy Steele, and people like that, the Vincent Storm, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Larry Parnes was the sort of kind of guy who got all these guys together, I think it was gay. Larry Parnes was mm-hmm. the music producer mm-hmm. and he'd get guys and say this guy's a bit soft right? we'll call him Johnny Gentle <laughs> this, is, this is how they did That's it right, Billy, Fury, Gentle, yeah. uh-huh. Billy Fury uh-huh. things like that um, so anybody who was British then uh-huh. um, who could sing a wee bit was getting signed up with anybody he said oh we're in here That's it. Um, we turned up in the night and the guy didn't turn up and that was like oh. Kept turning oh, up well. and singing, never ever appeared again. So nearly, that was nearly. nearly made it, but never quite, you know. So I think um, before we start, we've got on about how you were really the the, the first Beatles before first the Beatles, Beatles got there. <laughs> I think we'll call it quits. It's okay. uh, a bit longer. I can one finish day. my coffee. Eh? Yeah, we'll go back uh, to. Uh, I mean, we had a small list of things to talk about. And we've not even. We missed that again. I'm usually rambling on as usual. Exactly, just oh, grab it on pure nonsense as usual. Verbal diarrhea, I think they call it. Exactly. Mm. But I think if you want, uh, if you want to email in. Uh, remember it's Glasgow Generations at googlemail.com and hopefully you can prompt uh, 
feather to, to remember something aye, else the next time. Aye. That's what I need sometimes, is actually somebody to say something. That's what it... It triggers off something else. Yeah. Either that yeah. or cattle prod. <laughs> aye, aye, electric one, aye. Exactly. So until <laughs> next time, see you later. Bye. Oh, Senga, you've missed that again.